everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox Meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week we are hearing from our friend Nick, who tells his story and his experience using non-dominant handwriting to connect with his inner child. There's a horrible roar at the start of the recording, and that's our lousy air conditioner. It's off after the first five minutes. And now please enjoy Nick. Thanks. Um, Nick, I'm an adult child. Hey. Uh, five and a one. It is 15, right? 15. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so I thought I would just say a little bit about where I came from and what it was like, and then um, how I got here and then talk about a tool, since it's a tools topic. Um, so, you know, I, I am um, an adult child of one alcoholic parent, another very another dysfunctional parent, and a, and a sort of dysfunctional family system. All, all of it. There's mental illness, um, several different kinds of addiction in my family, and but my mum was an alcoholic, and she's, she's sober now. Both my parents are still alive. My mum was, was an active alcoholic, not right in the beginning of my life, but by the time I was six or seven, she was active, and she drank till I was about 30 years old, and then she got sober. Um, and has struggled with mental illness since she got sober, but, and has had a couple of suicide attempts in, in her own sobriety um, over the last 20 years or so. But, and my dad, who's still alive also, my parents are divorced. My dad um, was a gambler, a womanizer, um, very emotionally unavailable, sort of very strange around money, uh, borderline criminal, although a nice guy. I mean, he was charismatic, but he was, he was sort of borderline like that. Um, and so, you know, I grew up, um, and my parents divorced when I was 16, which, which is when I left home actually. I left home at 16. So I grew up, you know, really, that's, I mean, just even saying that out loud, it sounds kind of crazy to me, you know, that's where I come, came from. Um, was certainly for the last 10 years or so of my parents' marriage, so, you know, like, or maybe seven years or so, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. It was, it was fights. It was perpetual drunkenness. It was some not not a lot of police, but sometimes police. It was, and most of that was them them to each other. My parents to each other. So a little bit. My sister and I were observers of that more than we were. It, it didn't. I mean, I was never hit by my parents or anything. So it wasn't so much directed like that directly at us, but it was just like. There's an atmosphere at home of impending 
rage, violence, um, uh, stuff, you know, uh, complicated stuff. And, and also, we got triangulated a lot as, as kids, so there was a lot of this, if you can relate to this, a lot of this like, tell your father this, tell your mother that, secret keeping, don't tell your father this, don't tell your mother this. Um, my dad sort of made me complicit in his affairs, and he would tell me about other women he was seeing, but don't tell your mother, and da da da, and all that sort of shit. Don't tell your father what you're drinking. Um, is it awful? I mean, yeah. and, and, and I, I, came, I came out of that household. Um, I, I would say I came out of that household absolutely unaware. That, I'd be, that that was anything other than normal, and absolutely unaware that I'd been affected by it. I mean, I'm really probably for the first, God, maybe till I was 30, maybe years old. I was I rarely talked about my childhood. If people asked me about it, I'd say things like, uh, "Oh, it was kind of normal," you know. It was kind of. I, I, I remember saying to somebody at, at lunch once. Uh, you know, yeah, my parents are sort of, love, you know, standard kind of loving, average parents. I remember saying and believing it, you know. And, um, and, you know, really, even until I got into this program a couple of years ago, I didn't really understand the full extent of what I came from, although I did understand it to some extent. Wow, okay. Wow. <laughs> it's a whole, like, seven levels of stress that go just went down. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks. Um, thanks. That's, that's way better. Uh, so, yeah, so, so don't think I understood it. Uh, so, you know, I felt, I, I've often described it as like, I just was sort of shot like a cannonball into life and with no tools, no tools, no tools at all. And, um, but a lot of, you know, I mean, you know, my dad was ambitious and so I think I picked up his ambition and I picked up a lot of my parents' uh, agenda for me. So I think I was playing, for many years, I think I was just playing out a lot of, what I thought they wanted me to go do and be and be like and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of it was a kind of uh, playing out of their agenda and a lot of it was also a playing against their agenda. So I would do things because I felt they wanted me to and then because as a fuck you to them as well. My life was sort of batting backwards and forwards between those two things. Um, and it, but as I say, I, I didn't have any clue really. And, and I, in with no therapy and no... 12 step and nothing, nothing, nothing. I got, I came to America, you know, I got a job in England and it brought me to America and I got married and I had kids and, um, you know, like, like, I went a long way, <laughs> just completely blind. Mm. And when I look back on that now, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm not dead. Um, or killed somebody or both, you know. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, in, in my 30s, in my early 30s, I married with two kids and I started to, I, I stopped drinking, um, no this is not an AA qualification but it just sort of fits the picture, I'd stopped drinking, when I met my wife, who was to become my wife, she, she didn't drink and um, so I thought, you know, I, I better stop drinking if I'm going to date this person, you know, so I just, without, again, without any program, nothing, I just stopped drinking, smoking, taking drugs, biting my nails, all in one day. <laughs> okay, I'll just stop all that, you know. And I uh, got married, I had kids. Not all in one day. Um, I didn't do that all in one day. Uh, and then been married a few years, and I've got two babies at home, like two, two and three or three and four years old. And, and slowly, I started to crumble. 
because I didn't have any defense against it. So I started drinking and, um, you know, I just, I, d I don't think I even understood what that was really. I was just melting down, you know, I was melting down on the inside. And, and that led to me bottoming out um, and I, in my 30s, and I went to AA. So I got sober in 2000, 18 years ago. And that's, I've been sober ever since, and that's been a journey. So that was my first introduction, really, to 12-step and therapy and any kind of self-help like that. I mean, I hadn't read a self-help book, you know, but before I went to AA. Um, and, uh, and no spirituality, I had nothing. I just was like this guy, just like a guy, just doing stuff in the world, you know, without realising what I was doing. And then, so DA, AA, uh, you know, I got, got sober and stayed sober. And, and I think of it now, and I think back on it, I think of it now as just a big archaeological dig backwards into all this, you know, sort of, there's a little, there's a, there's a me in the middle, and all this shit built up over the years between my childhood and then on top of that and on top of that, without me having any recovery. And then I, I just think of it in a kind of simplistic way, maybe it's not right, but as like, and then it started to go the opposite way. And I started, I got sober and I started to dig away at it to get back towards the core, you know. Um, and that took a lot of work and 12-step uh, work and, and again, um, therapy work and group therapy. And I've done, all, I've done all kinds of things in sobriety as well, I've, you know, spiritual things. And, and uh, really like questing, you know, really trying to, trying to <coughs> feel better. Because feel, feel. by the time I crashed and got into AA, I was... Um, the, the, experience, the experience that I described it as, I was like, I was, my moment of awareness, my moment of clarity was, I was looking around at my life, and I was like, wow, it's like a bomb went off in my life. Everything is a disaster. I was looking around, you know, around like my marriage and my business and everything, and I was like, hmm. And then I just had this thought, I was like, maybe I'm the bomb. <laughs> Really, it was like that. It was that clear. It came to, I was standing. I remember where I was standing when I had the thought, and it was like I, I was like, it's like a fucking nu nuclear weapon went off in here, and I was like, it's me, I'm the weapon, and um, and uh, and I and I, was, I, I went to AA like two days later, um, and um, and and it's actually weirdly, it's been like that, and I've done work in DA, and, and I've done some work in Alanon, and it's been like that. Actually, my bottom's been like that in all those programs. It's sort of a revelation, like. All these things that are driving me crazy in my life, I'm at the centre of all. Of, it's me, you know. It's, it, I mean, I'm both. I'm generating it. I'm emitting it. I'm attracting it. It's like I'm the middle of my own life. So therefore, of course, of course, I'm the centre of the wheel, you know. Um, and um, so sober, and uh, and just to cut a long story short, I got a job five years ago that I didn't I'm completely unaware of this, but this job five, that I got five years ago. It just was a perfect storm of things that were designed to kick up my ACA shit. And I didn't even know I'd got ACA shit, really. I didn't, I didn't know it. I, I knew I was an adult child. I didn't know this program existed. I didn't, I didn't have any sense of that this was waiting for me in the wings. And so this job kicked it up and kicked it up worse and worse and worse and worse. And two years ago, 18 months ago, I just, I really bottomed out. I and mean, I was really, I was like, I'm 16 years sober. I've done all this work and whatever, and I'm acting out like crazy, not in a, a, with substance or anything, but I was like, I'm, I'm screaming at everybody, I'm a total dick. I'm a, I'm a thanks, I'm a total dick. And everybody hates me and I hate everybody. And it was that same feeling of just like, what's wrong with my life? And why do I want to kill everybody and myself, you know? And, I, and then I, I stumbled into ACA and I was like, fuck, it's this. 
isn't this. And, and I could see how the work situation was triggering it. And it, it sort of, even within two weeks of being here and reading the, the traits and looking at the literature and stuff, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, why didn't no one tell me this? Um, it's like having a disease and then, you know, having it diagnosed after 16 years or something. I was like, what the fuck did no one tell me that this existed? It was, an, it was amazing. So it's, it's, an, it's an amazing, I just have to say, I mean, I've, I've said this many times in this program. I've, I've felt more positive shift, shifting in me. I mean, in a way, more painful, but more positive, more movement in 18 months in this program than in 18 years of sobriety. Um, n- nothing wrong with that 18 years that I did, but this is just like, for me, it's like right on the bottom of the stuff. It's at the very, as I was dig, 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 like the core stuff is this. It just is. I just know it for me. Um, and um, it's, it's, been, um, it's been a really wild journey this 18 months in 88. And I'd say, you know, two phases. I mean, phase one of it was really just felt like, uh, just to give an analogy, it felt like I realized I'd been wearing a rubber suit my whole life made of the 14 traits. And I've made the mistake of thinking that suit was me. Mm. And, and uh, so the first sort of eight months or so in AC8 was like, I was like cutting myself out of that suit, uh, that rubber suit. But it, but it was wired to my nervous system, so I felt like I was cutting myself open. That's how it felt. I felt like anesthesia without the surgery in uh, the first eight months. But I knew it was the right thing to do because I was like, I'm in here somewhere. I'm in there somewhere, but I've got to get to me, even if it's a bit painful. So then... And then the last eight months or so has been a lot to do with connecting to that inner child and authentic self and trying to then start to begin to live from that place and make decisions that are driven more by the authentic self uh, than by the suit, (laughs) than by the rubber suit that was driving me before. Um, And that's been liberating and challenging in a lot of different ways Um, and causes... you know, it's fantastic because it feels authentic, but it causes a lot of issues in my life because a lot of people are in relation to the rubber suit and not in relation to the authentic self. And so that's, there's a lot of that happening to me right now as I make these different decisions. It's causing a lot of... It's causing a great disturbance in the force, <laughs> as one could say. Um, uh, the tool I was going to talk about just briefly at the end is, as I was making that... As I was in that period where I was trying to work out, is there an inner child... If there is, how do I connect to it? What's inside the suit? In that period, I still do this now, but in that period, I found this, ex- I found this tool that is talked about somewhere in the literature of non-dominant handwriting, where what you do is, is really simple, is you ask yourself a question, you write a question to your inner child using your right hand, or using your dominant hand, I'm right-handed, and you just do it as if the loving parent's asking the question, are you okay today, what do you need? What's going on? What's, you know, why are you upset? Like you would a child, and then you answer it with your left hand. You take the pen in the other hand and you answer it as if you're the inner child. And then there's a dialogue between these two. And I didn't. Someone suggested that, and it sounded kind of cheesy and new agey bullshit. And and someone suggested it to me in the middle of that process of sort of cutting the rubber suit off. Right. And I did it, and I was. It was like electrifying. I did it because very quickly I had this feeling of like the thing that's answering with the left hand is actually some sort of a connection to that inner child, and I never had that before. And the answers were surprising to me. Mm-hmm. As I was writing, I was, I was like, this is not my conscious mind writing this answer. This is not what I would have said if you asked me to answer that question. Me, the me that I understand is me. And it was, and it was wild, and I filled notebooks with this shit. And then notebooks, drawings, and all kinds. Of, I mean, like, I just, it didn't stop for about 10 weeks. It just came pouring out this stuff. 
and it was amazing. It was like um, meeting a new person. Um, someone describes that as like, you know, you open the front door one day and there's a kid standing there and it's like, I'm home. And, and you know, you're like, who are you? And you're like, I'm you. Uh, like, Come in. So I'm moving in. I've got my two suitcases. Um, and, uh, and it was like that. It was like that. It was like meeting another person that's inside me. And uh, it was that tool that was the access point to it for me. Uh, and uh, I still use it sometimes, not all the time, but it was bloody powerful. And I'd recommend it to anybody to try at least. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.